You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. You had your cup of coffee yet? Well, you should have, because this is going to be the most boring message you've ever heard. I'm going to... I'm going to preach the whole thing in Spanish. So if you don't know Spanish, you're out. Uh, this is going to be called Prospero Año. That's all I know in Spanish. Genesis chapter 39. My people would be ashamed. Genesis chapter 39 is where we're going to get started today. God's got something special and powerful in store for you. As we dig into his word, I want to say hello and what's up to everybody watching us online, Facebook and YouTube. We love you. High Ridge family, give them a big warm welcome as they tune in from all over the world. Welcome, welcome. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. For those of you that are sick and recovering, hey, we love you. We can't wait. We're, we're saving a seat for you. We hope that you recover well and soon. Uh, Genesis 39 is where we're going to get started today, uh, bringing a message called Prospero Año, which means a year of prosperity, a year of favor, a year of blessing. That sounds good, doesn't it? A year of success, promotion, a year of good things. I believe that that is what the Lord is decreeing for you, for us as a church, a year of prosperity and favor and blessing. Uh, But I also wanna make sure that you hear me, that prosperity, favor, and blessing are words that we use in the English language that are not the same when you get into the word of God as what we think that they are. And so when we're looking at those words, I want to make sure that we understand really uh, theologically uh, and at a base level of who we are, what the word of God means when it talks about success and favor and the blessing of the Lord. What does that look like? And so as we're digging into God's word, I want to remind you that, that there are uh, wealthy people in the Bible, extremely wealthy. Uh, there are people that had huge success. Uh, there are people that had a, a large amount of toys There are people that did insane and amazing things, big, big blessings and favor in the Bible uh, in a tangible and a physical way. Now, was that everyone in the Bible? The answer is absolutely not. So when we we come in contact with with prosperity and favor and blessing, it's easy for us to get something twisted in our mind, in our theology, about what it means to be blessed by God, to have favor, to have success. I think we generally fall into two camps and one side of it says, hey, if you love God, you're gonna have all these blessings that God's gonna bless your business, he's gonna bless your marriage, he's gonna bless your finances, you're gonna be rich, you're gonna be wealthy, you're gonna be powerful, you'll never get sick, you'll never die. And then there's the other side that says, if you love God and serve God, you're always gonna be poor, you're gonna be broke, you're gonna be sick, you're gonna have the worst of everything because God's calling us to a life of poverty. What's the truth in here? What does it mean? And our world has become consumed with either of those two camps when it comes to Christian theology. And uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's really brought people into a very difficult place where we don't understand uh, what to ask God for. We don't understand how to ask him. We don't understand what it looks like when he gives it. And so as we're digging into God's word, I wanna bring, uh, bring a message of what it looks like to have a year of prosperity, a year of favor, a year of blessing, and what that means biblically. I want to take you to Genesis 39 when it talks about a young man named Joseph. I want to remind you in the context of this book that Joseph was 17 years old. And the Bible talks about Joseph was filled with the spirit of God and God favored him, God prospered him, God gave him success, God gave him blessing everywhere he went. 
Remember this, that Joseph had an amazing technicolor dream coat. And the Bible says that his brothers were very jealous of, the, of his father's love for Joseph. They decide to kill him. And instead of killing him, at the last moment, uh, logic reigned. They end up taking his coat, ripping it to pieces, covering it in animal blood, and telling their dad, oh, he got killed. And they sell him off into slavery. The Bible talks about the success, the favor, the blessing on that young man. So in Genesis chapter 39, pick it up with me if you would. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar bought him from the Ishmaelites. So he was trafficked into a different country. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Somebody say prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him, somebody say the next word, success in everything. Man, that sounds good. I like that. The Lord gave him success in everything that he did. It says, when his master saw it, Joseph found favor, somebody say favor, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed, somebody say blessed, the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. It says the blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. It said, Lord, he even blessed his front and backyard. What does that look like? It goes on to say, Potiphar did not concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. Now that is life on easy street. When your biggest worry is, oh, am I gonna have Golden Corral or Lubies today? You know, is that, if that's your biggest worry and care in life, uh, there's something special about that kind of life. For the rest of us, are like, we don't know who you are. But some of you are like, I, I'm actually pretty, pretty blessed then because we're gonna have that argument as soon as we leave this service. Where are we gonna eat? That's our biggest concern. It's our biggest source of friction in our marriage. What are we having today? Is it Mexican or Mexican? Where I'm from, we just call it food. Y'all don't understand that, but when the Bible talks about prosperity, when it says Joseph prospered, it gives us a great Hebrew word. The word is salak, and say salak if you would. And you got to put the on the end of it. Make the person in front of you feel really annoyed with the fact that you just spit on the back of their head. Don't worry, it'll, it'll flake off when it dries. Salak, which means to rush into advancement, to be promoted, to have success. It's almost like God pushed fast forward on his life. The things that would normally take years to accomplish, Joseph was doing in a matter of months because God's favor, his blessing, his prosperity was upon him. But I want you to notice some things about biblical prosperity today. I want to give you three things that are really critical for us to, to learn and to unlearn about biblical prosperity because this is something that has gripped the heart of the Christian church and forced many amazing people into a life of stupidity. Stupidity. When we don't understand biblical prosperity, we walk down a very shaky road because it's this foolish lie that the more that you do things that God told you to do, the more God has to bless you with physical and monetary things. God has to give you more toys. God has to protect you and bless you because we're doing these things, God gives us these things. And we fall in love with this deity that we call God that looks more like Santa Claus and we drift away from the truth of God's word. 
We've made prosperity something that God's word never intended for it to be. We've misunderstood it, and it's led God's people into a horrible path that breaks down. And here's where it breaks down. Prosperity gospel breaks down the first time people get sick because that will, it, it leaves no room for things like disease, hard times, the loss of a job, the loss of a child. It leaves no room for the hard days of life. And it breaks down. And people walk away from the church because they thought, as long as I was doing these things, God's not supposed to let that happen. There's a reason why after uh, 2020 and 2021, many, many, many Christians have not returned to their church. It's because their theology left no room for things like coronavirus. It can't exist. What do you mean? I love Jesus. How could I possibly get sick? Well, I stepped out in faith and I, I didn't take no vaccine. How could, I, how could I get sick? And theologically, we get so messed up in our minds that we start blaming God for a misunderstanding that was very clear in his word. So it's important that we learn and understand what it means to biblically prosper, to have the favor, the success, the blessing, the protection, the covering of God upon our lives. What does that look like? So that when life gives us lemons, we don't blame God for them. We don't assume that everything that bad happens in, in my life because I sinned, Amen. which is what happens. That's what happened. Well, I must have sinned somewhere along the line. Now, that can be the case. Sometimes the, the things that happen to you in, in your life are because hey, you sin or because you're stupid. We do dumb things, and we pay the consequences for those. Like, I have no idea why this happened. Well, that's because you didn't fill the car up with gas. I was running on faith. What happened, God? You let me... Dude, it runs on gas, not faith. I know my car. I'm trusting in Jesus. Like, mm, that's, that's not what you think it is. We have to learn what his word says. We have to dig into it so we can recognize the favor and the blessing and prosperity of God. I want to give you three things as we're answering the question, what is biblical prosperity? And let me just say this as we're getting started. I believe that this is a year of great prosperity for you. I believe it's a great year of favor and blessing and success for God's people. But I want you to understand what that means and how to recognize it when it happens, how to walk in that favor and in that success, the promotion and the blessing. And not let those things that you have twisted in your mind determine whether or not God is good or bad to you. What is biblical prosperity? As we're digging into God's word, uh, number one, the first and foremost thing I want you to see, this is really, really important. So if you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. This will help you. Number one, biblical prosperity has nothing to do with knowledge, circumstances, or possessions. Nothing. That's our American version of prosperity. God's word does not list those things as prosperity. How do we know that? Because it says Joseph prospered in all that he did. Now, if it has nothing to do with, with, with knowledge, which I believe it has nothing to do with knowledge, um, and, and you might disagree with me, I will ask you, how old was Joseph? 17. How much did you know at 17? <laughs> what did you know? You thought you knew it all. How much did you actually know? Nothing. Nothing. Prosperity is not how much you know. It's who you know. It's who knows you. It has nothing to do with your circumstances because he was trafficked into a foreign country. It's not about his possessions because he doesn't even have his coat. 
He doesn't have a home. He's living in Potiphar's home as a slave. And the Bible says God gave him favor and success and prosperity and blessing in everything that he did. It shows us that favor, blessing, prosperity, and success have nothing to do with what you know or what you have or where you're at. Now, can people prosper? Yes. Can people prosper without God? Yes. If you don't understand what prosperity is. See, there's a strive, there's a, there's a striving, there's a struggle inside of each of us to, to want to have more, to want to accomplish more things. But if we don't understand how to submit that area of our life to the Lord, those things will have you. And the success that you crave will leave you wanting, will leave you in a place where you're thinking, I got everything I asked for. Why am I not still happy? How come I, 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 can't, I can't get peace? How come I finally got to the area of my finances that I dreamed about? but my kids hate me, but my marriage is in shambles, but I'm constantly looking for somebody else to fulfill my needs. I'm, I'm consumed with finding something more because there's a hunger inside that it didn't fulfill. We don't understand what prosperity is. We've misused it, or even worse, we've taken it and tried to twist scripture around to make this make sense. Prosperity has nothing to do with how smart you are, what circumstances you may find yourself in. It has nothing to do with how much you own. Prosperity is completely different. This is why when it talks about Joseph, it says God favored him. God prospered him. God blessed him. And Joseph has gone from a pit that his brothers threw him in to being trafficked as a human slave to Potiphar's house. From there, he gets accused of rape and is thrown into prison, falsely accused. And God has favor and blessing on him no matter what the world may try to throw at him. That doesn't look like our version of prosperity and blessing and favor and success. Thrown in prison, falsely accused. We want God's prosperity, do you? Because sometimes it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. But it shows us through God's word that favor is the God-given ability to thrive under any circumstance, any condition, or in any environment. I want to make sure that you see that. We've put it on the screen. For those of you watching at home, this is incredibly important for us to see. Because we can't recognize the favor of God when we're walking in the middle of it. We'll call it things like punishment. God, you must be mad at me. You must not exist. You're not protecting me because these things are not my version of success. Do you see this? Is this okay? There's a reason why we can recognize favor and success and blessing and prosperity in the midst of the worst times ever. How do we know this to be true? How do we know that God has favor upon our church, favor upon you? Because in 2020, 2021, and in 2022, we have been able to do more and been more blessed than ever in the history of our church. God has continued to push us forward and to bless us in incredible ways in the midst of viruses and shutdowns and elections and disagreements and arguments and hot tempers and strong opinions. It doesn't matter the circumstance. Let me say it this way. When God shows favor, nothing on earth can stop it. Not even you. Number two, 
As we're moving through God's word, let's, let's see this. What is biblical prosperity? Number two, uh, biblical prosperity is actually God's presence made visible through you. God's favor. God's heart. But it's something that people can see. And this is critical for us to know because uh, over and over and over in scripture, when it talks about prosperity and blessing and success, it always uses it in the same context of God being with you and people being able to see it. Now, I'll show you where it gets twisted in just a moment, but I'll show you a couple of scriptures. First of all, in, in, in verse three, it says, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and gave him success in everything that he did, right? He could see it. Look at this about Daniel, Daniel chapter one, verse nine. It says, God granted Daniel favor in the sight of the commander and the officials. Remember, Daniel is living as a human traffic victim, as a slave in the midst of Babylon. And God still gave him favor that people could see. His bosses, his supervisors, the kings and the rulers could see. He's different. There's something special. What is it? The Lord's all over him. In the story of David, we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It says, the Lord was with David, so he was successful in everything. And David, when, when Saul saw how successful David was, it scared him. He became even more afraid. Remember, David wasn't king at this time. He didn't have all the swag and all the toys. He was nothing but a shepherd boy with a sling and a stone. That doesn't look like our version of success until you understand what the Bible is calling success. Saying, I can see God's power and God's spirit is all over you. How can people see the presence of the Lord over you? How does your boss see the favor of God on you? How does your boss see that God has given you success? These are great questions to ask as we're talking about a year of favor and prosperity and blessing and success that people can see. And it's because of this, that the deeper our relationship with the Lord grows, the more others can see what true prosperity looks like. Why is that? Let me say it this way, and I'll put it on the screen for you to see, because God wants his presence to be visible in our character, our attitude, and our work ethic. Christians, True Bible-believing Christians ought to be the light of the world on your job. We ought to be the ones that show up first. We ought to be the ones that our supervisor can count on. Why? Because the favor of God is on me, and I do things with character, with integrity, have a strong work ethic. I'm willing to do what it takes. Why? Because I'm not serving you. I'm serving him, and I represent him on my job. That's where success and favor and promotion, the Hebrew word salach means to promote rapidly. That's where it comes from, from working for the Lord. It's God's presence made visible through your work ethic, through your character, through your attitude. I'm stepping on somebody's toes today and I'm sorry. It's not, not in this service, it's online. People that are watching online, they're the ones that are getting their toes stepped on. No, not us. Because we've got great attitudes on Monday morning after six cups of coffee. We have great character and integrity. Some of you have had COVID 14 times this year. Like, how do you have it every week? It's only been two months. How, how is that even possible? Oh, <laughs> I, got, I can't smell anything. Like, take the clothespin off your nose. Go to work. 
I wasn't lying. Like, go. No, but and it, here, here's the thing. It's, it's, biblical prosperity is visible, but not in the way that we think, in the way that we preach in churches. It's God's presence visible through your character and attitude and work ethic, work ethic not your clothes, not your toys. And this is what pastors will do all across our country. They'll preach prosperity gospel and they'll wear these outfits and drive these cars and have these watches and toys and say, hey, you need to look like me if you had the faith that I had. Oh, if you were as close to God as I am, you'd have all these things. You just need to give more. You need to give more money to be able to get these things. Respect the drip. Some of you are like, is that drainage? Do you have some sinus drainage? Is that what that... No, Mima, we'll explain it to you later. How foolish is that? Because we fall for it. And we've, come, we've become intrigued by the cross-pollination of the American dream and Christianity. And it's not the same thing. As a matter of fact, there's an unholy friction between the two. And you have to decide at some point, do I choose money or do I choose the Lord? And then our bad theology will say, well, I'll choose the Lord and I'll get money. That's, that's a little different. We've got some things messed up in our mind there. I want to help you understand that a little bit better. Biblical prosperity is allowing God's presence to be visible through who you are. Not about what you wear. I know you're looking at me today and you're thinking, yeah, but you know, those shoes cost a lot. You, you like my $39 DSW shoe warehouse shoes? How about my $17 Amazon pants? They're stretchy because I'm fat. <laughs> Best $17 you'll ever spend. You like my $9 Amazon glasses? They're readers, 1.75 because I'm getting old. <laughs> I got on the Under Armour socks that don't match with the Nikes because my kids say you don't have to be sports specific and I had no idea that that was a thing now. I'm like, no, you can wear Under Armour and Nike. You can wear the no brand. We put them all together. It's fine. You just be you. I'm like, that's not how I grew up. It's Nike or nothing. And if you wore Reeboks, like, we don't like you. If you wore Adidas, like, no, nah, you're, you're into Run DMC. I'm not sure if I'm into that yet. And then Aerosmith kind of does a rap album with it. We're like, okay, now it's cool. Then if you wear a Puma, like, you're, you're British. And if you wore British Knights, it's like, you're poor. But apparently that stuff doesn't matter anymore. But that outside image says a lot. And we've taken that and pushed it into churches. And so that's what prosperity and favor and blessing and success looks like. It's in your clothes. It's in your toys. How foolish is that? It's God's presence made visible through how you do what you do. And God being able to trust you to do great things for the kingdom of God. Here's the third thing I wanna make sure that we see. And we'll finish up with this. Talking about biblical prosperity. Number three, biblical prosperity is actually contagious contentment. Now this is a word that we don't preach a lot when we're talking about prosperity and favor and success. Contentment, it seems to be, it seems to be at war with each other. But this is what the Lord talks about when he's talking about prosperity. It's contentment. Learning to be content with what God has given me so that he can trust me with more. And know that the things that he trusts me with 
won't corrupt my life and curse my children. You still with me? Biblical prosperity is contagious contentment. How do we know that? Because not only did God bless Joseph, he blessed Potiphar and everything that Potiphar had because of Joseph. And it says that Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except what he's gonna eat next. I'll tell you what, that is contentment. That's what that is. The only thing you got to worry about is what you're having for breakfast. That's a content life. In multiple places in scripture, when it talks about God's favor, prosperity, and blessings, and success, you see that there's peace and gratefulness as a result. That's what I want my family to look like. That's the kind of prosperity, blessing, and favor I want, where you have peace in your home. You can actually go home and and rest. And there's peace in your marriage. There's peace on your job. There's God's favor breathing upon it as God guides you and leads you and pushes you to the next level. And it doesn't stress you out. You're not constantly freaking out, working on your second heart attack by the time you're 35, wondering, how am I going to get to the next level? Contagious contentment. Now, the Bible talks about Joseph and And remember, Joseph is in a long line from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, a long line of guys that fought and warred and schemed and scammed to get ahead. Every single one of them stole each other's birthright, conned each other out of possessions, did things on their job to try to get more and to scheme for more possessions, not Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph's sons were named Ephraim and Manasseh. There's a Jewish legend and a blessing that goes along with that that says, may your sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh because they were the boys that never fought. Think about the breaking of the generational curse that Joseph did from the long line of the grind and the hustle and the lies and the cheating, the scamming. Jacob said, that's not me. It ran in my family until it ran into me. I'm going to teach my sons how to be content, whatever the world throws at you. Why? Because our hope is not here. Our hope is in him. And if he can trust me in the midst of a pit as a slave or in prison, he can trust me with the palace. God began to elevate Joseph until he was number two in the country of Egypt, the world's largest superpower. And says, Pharaoh concerned himself with nothing because he trusted Joseph. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord was on him. What an amazing story. What an amazing blessing he was able to give his children. You see, you can strive and you can work hard and you can push and you can make as much money as possible and hand it to your children hoping to give them a blessing and you've given them a curse. If they don't know how to be content with what God has given us. How to be grateful for what you do have. See, some of us find ourselves in positions where we've got very little. Some of us are in a position where you've you've got a lot more than others. The most important thing is no matter what you have, do those things have you or can God trust you with what you have so he can show true prosperity through you? Joseph found this and taught it to his sons. Let me say it this way. Where there is godly contentment, there is no struggle. There is no struggle. Somebody say amen. Amen. I need you to see this. This is important. This is what I wish the rest of the American Christian could see. It's godly contentment. 
The Apostle Paul echoes this in Philippians 4. He says this, I've learned the secret, the secret of success. He says, I've learned this, the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I, and here's a scripture everybody loves, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a lot of tattoos on people's shoulders of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. But you forget about Philippians 4.12, the scripture before. It says, how can I do all those things? I've learned to be content. Whether I have a lot or a little. That's the secret. Why? Because I've got Jesus. That's all I need. Everything that I need is found in my relationship with Jesus. My work ethic, my attitude, my drive, my go and my stop is found by being led by the Holy Spirit. It's the way, it's the way that Jesus begins to lead us and how he begins to speak to us and tell us things like, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. How's it become easy and light? Because you're not making mistakes and wasting time when you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he begins to show you this is next. Now I want you to wait. Rest. Now I want you to push here. Being led by the power of the Holy Spirit gives you favor beyond your wildest dreams. You don't waste time. You don't waste resources. You're not busy making huge mistakes that you're fighting to recover later on. We don't do that. Why? Because we're led by the Spirit of God. He shows us how. And it's easier than the grind. It's easier than the hustle. And as a matter of fact, when God shows us through his word things like ambition, that drive, it always leads to evil things in people's life. Always. Look it up in scripture. And that's difficult for me because I fight against that. I want to drive. I want to push. I want to go. I'm a hustler. I like it. But I've learned in my relationship with God that the greatest gift he can give me is himself. And I can rest in him and know when it's time to push and when it's time to rest, when it's time to go, when it's time to stop, when you change and when you don't. The secret let me make sure that you hear this. The secret of success is that contentment gives me the strength to endure profit and loss. In times of having more and having less, if I have him, it doesn't matter. That's prosperity. I've got him. I've got everything I need in Christ. He echoes this and takes it a little bit differently in 1 Timothy uh, in chapter six. Paul says this, uh, there's a constant friction between people of a corrupt mind. I want you to see that corrupt mind. This is what we see as the spirit of the age. This is really important for us to see it. There's a friction of people of a corrupt mind. He says this, who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. You have to let that go, my friends. Godliness is not the means to financial gain. And there's gonna be a friction. It corrupts your mind. It gives you bad theology when you allow that to be the reason why you go to church, when you allow that to be the reason why you start tithing, why you start trusting God with your finances because he's supposed to give me more. Don't let people teach you that junk. That's not true. Biblical prosperity is completely different. It's completely different than simple obedience than trusting God and taking him at his word. It's not giving to get. It's giving because he's worthy. Do you see this? Is this okay? 
So when Paul says there's a constant friction between people of a corrupt mind who think that godliness is a means to financial gain, he says, no, no, no. Here's, the, here's what's missing, contentment. It's godliness with contentment. And that gives you great gain. The Greek word there for great gain is mega great parismos, which means huge increase. He's saying the biggest increase that you can possibly see in your life is found in contentment in my relationship with Christ. Paul goes on in multiple scriptures to say, I've had the things that people are searching for, all the things and the power, the accolades and the, the degrees and the education, all these things that I consider that dung for the surpassing worth of knowing him. Solomon, the wisest man, the richest man that has ever walked this planet at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, I, I, I get it. This is all worthless. This means nothing. It's only my relationship with the Lord that has brought me great gain. This is what matters ultimately in life. My love for him and his love for me. His ability to trust me to do what his word is asking me to do with what he's given me. Paul said that's the secret. And to think that the more I give to God, the more I get. To think that that is the end of my theology. Paul says it corrupts your mind. And it puts this friction inside there that just rubs and rubs and rubs. Because it doesn't make sense when you experience things like sickness. The loss of a job. When somebody passes that you prayed for. Our theology leaves no room for that in prosperity gospel. The only way that you can explain it is with sin. But Paul says, look, as long as I have him, it doesn't matter what life throws at me. That's prosperity. Notice this in Ephesians 1. I'll finish with this. He says, praise be to God who has blessed us with every heavenly blessing that, that, that God has. Every spiritual blessing. That sounds really good. He said, where do I find that? The last two words are in Christ. In him. Everything that heaven has to bless you with is found in your relationship with Jesus. So today, the best thing I can give you, the key to the most prosperous year you've ever had, to the most successful year you will ever have in your lifetime thus far, the most favor that God could ever put up on any year, the best key I can give you is to go deeper with God than you've ever been, to make a stronger commitment to him, not for financial gain, but for the surpassing worth of knowing him. And knowing that as he leads me, he can trust me with more so that the things that I receive don't have me and corrupt my children. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that God gives wealth and adds no sorrow to it. That's prosperity. That's blessing and favor. And God can trust me with more so that I can bless with more. You can't outgive God. You can't outbless God. There's only obedience and disobedience to his word. And as God speaks to us about biblical prosperity and success and favor and blessing, it's important that we understand what that is so that we can recognize it and be content in our relationship with him. I'll finish up with this statement. Prosperity is recognizing what the Lord did for me and then letting him use my life to make his story known. 
That's my heart and my hope for you on Monday morning, that your boss would recognize the favor of the Lord upon your life, that he'd recognize that there's success here. Why? Because I'm not working for you, I'm working for him, and I'm giving God the best of what I have today. When you honor the Lord with the best of what you have, the best of your attitude, your character, and work ethic, it is visible by those that are in positions of authority over you. And it begins to open doors that you could not open on your own. It begins to give you favor and blessing and prosperity that you can't buy, that you can't scheme, that you can't scam to get. You could not do with your best effort. God opens doors that no man can open and shuts doors that no man can shut. And if his word tells us anything, is that true biblical prosperity comes to those on whom his favor rests. We have a statement around here that says, favor ain't fair, and it ain't. When God favors you, like, how in the world are you doing this and accomplishing that? And go, favor, it ain't fair. I'm sorry. I want you to experience a year of favor. I want you to experience true prosperity. I want you to have a relationship with God like you've never had. Many of us have started this year out fasting and praying. That is fantastic. You have already set it up on a tee to have an incredibly amazing year. That's not the end. Don't let that die, but press in deeper. Spend time in your word every single day and let his word begin to dwell inside of your heart. The scripture says, let it dwell richly in there. Spend time talking to him. Even if you don't hear him talking back at first, if you make time for God, he rewards you with things that your money can't buy. He gives you the amazing ability to not waste time. He gives you insight that you couldn't get with your level of education, no matter what you got. He brings prosperity and adds no sorrow to it. That's my heart and hope for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Put away your phones and your Bibles for just a moment. I wanna give you a chance to respond to the Lord and what he might be telling you. If you're watching online, would you just take a moment? Would you bow your head in prayer? And I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer, and it's this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What does this mean to me today? I don't want you to just hear, hear these words and, and to walk away thinking, oh, that was a pretty decent message. I want you to think, how does this apply to my life? What steps are you asking me to take, Lord? For some of us, the Lord's asking you to, to go deeper with him than he's, than he's ever been allowed to go before. And I want you to respond. For others, the Lord may be asking you to let go of something that you've held as precious. It may be an addiction, maybe a sin, maybe something that's good, but it's not God. Can the Holy Spirit speak into your life right now and talk about something that he needs you to let go of so that you can receive something better? You know, one of the most powerful things about Joseph is he was, he was able to walk away from bitterness and rejection and evil and instead replace it with contentment and found favor. I think for some of us that are watching, please hear me. You were done very, very wrong. It's no fault of your own. But if you allow yourself to be led by that unforgiveness, bitterness, by the evil things that were done to you, it's difficult to find God's favor and prosperity and blessing. The Holy Spirit is asking if you can let that go today. To say stuff like, Lord, I choose forgiveness. Maybe you can repeat the words of Joseph when he was speaking to his brothers that betrayed him. And he said, you meant this for evil, but God used it for my good. 
There are things that have been done to you, wounds that you've had to walk into this place with. I want you to be able to see it that way today. It may have been something evil, but there is nothing that God can't take and make it into something beautiful. I know that to be true because he's done it for me. Father, I pray that for every single person watching this message and for those that are listening and within the sound of my voice, I pray that today that you would lead them, guide them, give them strength and favor, blessing and prosperity, walking in your word, walking closer to you than they've ever walked, living in true abundance. In Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna finish today by making an appeal to anyone in this place who might not have a relationship with Jesus. My friend, if you don't know what happens at the end of your life, I wanna make an appeal to you by taking a step of faith today to make sure of your salvation and your relationship with him. If you've walked with God before but you've gotten away from him and you need to come back, I wanna help you do that by leading you in a simple prayer. Right where you are, would you pray this prayer with me? If that's you, pray it with me. The prayer is this, just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life. Forgiveness of my sins. And so that I could have life. Would you come into my heart? Be my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. My friend, if that was you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you, and you prayed that prayer with me, if you took that step of faith, would you just lift your hand all over this place? That was me, Pastor. I took that step. Good. Anyone else today? Just those of you who prayed that prayer with me, would you look up at me? Because on the screen behind me, there's a number that's appearing. I want to ask you if you'd text me. If you pray that prayer, send me a text. If you're watching online and you pray that prayer with me, would you text the words, I prayed, to the number on your screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, I'm gonna send you some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. I'm incredibly proud of you. And thank you for taking that step of faith. Hi, Rich family, go ahead and look at me, if you would, and then stand to your feet. If you're watching online and you like what you heard today, if you feel like this is a message that some people need to hear, would you do us a huge favor and click the share button? That would mean the world to us as we get to watch and see where the message that God has given us is being spread to the outermost parts of the world. It's always a big, beautiful honor and a blessing to be able to be trusted to do that. Thank you for watching today. I have our elders and their wives stepping forward to make sure that we're available for anything that you might need to pray about. If you're watching online and you need prayer, we would love to pray for you as well. Type your prayer request into the chat and we would love to pray for you. For everyone else, let me bless you and send you out as we go. Father, I thank you for the amazing word that you've given us today. I pray that we would experience prosperity, favor, blessing, and success everywhere we go as we carry your presence into Monday. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, Connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.